basically you could say that circular design is about really to eliminate the concept of waste by designing it in a way that every material can be extended reused whatever you looked at the product life this is we all know about in, in product design and in design that the product life is being extended ideally indefinitely but at least extended to the maximum that you can by design not by accident and the third part is to regenerate and that's the most difficult part to regenerate natural resources because we took them away from nature right we somehow have to give it back Hi everyone, welcome to Designdras, where we explore why, how and what design and designers are driving forward. The mission is to interview the most forward-thinking and innovative creatives on the planet to inspire and help you to reach your full creative potential and to make a positive impact in the world. In this episode, I had the pleasure to chat with Coral Golter, founder and CEO of Indeed Innovation, about circular design, strategic innovation and speculative design. His team had the chance to bring in a strong perspective of circular design into recent projects and he shares about the learnings when you scale from user-centric design to circular design. Where you not just incorporate more data and more stakeholders into the project, but you also approach your design with a new mindset. Further, we also discussed the overlap between speculative design, circular design of course, but then also AI and how the tools and the processes actually going to change and influence the future job of the designer. I hope you enjoy the episode. All right, I'm here with Carol Golter, founder and CEO of Indeed Innovation. Really looking forward to that conversation. Looking forward to talk to you, Sebastian. Um, so we're going to talk about circular design. Actually, I feel that you have been very involved in, in the last years. And then we're also going to touch on future thinking and speculative design. So I'm really looking forward to the episode. What would be really great for the audience, uh, Carl, if you could give them a bit of context about your journey, how it all started out for you, uh, getting into design in the first place. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try to do that in, in, in a nutshell. So I'm, I'm Swiss born. Um, so my parents, my mother is from, from Brazil, my father from the southern part of, of Switzerland, so the Italian part, but I was raised in the, in the German part of Switzerland. Uh, and, uh, you know, when I, when I finished, graduated my high school, I, I was in doubt what I really should do, but um, I traveled once because of an invitation of a friend to the Art Center campus in La Tour de Paix, which was in the French side of Switzerland. Um, so the American European um, campus of the Art Center um, College of Design. And I was so mesmerized by what I've seen there, the, the, the way that the students worked, lived and what they actually worked, you know, doing the clay models outside on the, on the parking lot of the, of, the, of the chateau there. So for those that know that period, I mean, it was just fantastic. So I, I fell in love with, uh, with uh, the idea of design, um, jumped into cold water. So you could say, you know, applied for it and, and, and got luckily um, um, accepted. Eventually I moved to the US campus, um, which led me to the opportunity or gave me the opportunity to work in the United States at the very beginning of my career, which I owe a lot to, I have to say, because the US has a quite different understanding of the value of design, especially in context of business. And this is where I really, grew probably like uh, a lot of um, design careers. Uh, eventually I moved uh, back to Europe, 
because of the love of my life, my wife, and uh, started eventually my own business uh, almost 16, 17 years ago. Um, and and now I, you could call me some sort of an entrepreneur. I founded multiple companies, just sold last year one of my companies, you know, so I'm really energetic, I'm full of ideas, uh, uh, failed sometimes and am successful sometimes. And uh, the passion for design-driven innovation is is at my heart, you could say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is that I think you uh, also with your work you um, in your projects, you understand also design as a strategic tool for business problem solving or strategic innovation. I think uh, looking at that, when was the first time where this sort of connection got, got to your surface and where you realized it? Any kind of like favorite project that in the past where or project generally speaking in the past where, you know, this, this was very striking to you about, you know, how you can use design as a leverager to solve, you know, business innovation. Well, actually, again, I come back to my period uh, by time in, in the United States, actually, even um, during college at art center, we had a sponsor project by Caterpillar, right. You know, the construction machinery company, And at that time, um, they just bought um, a forest uh, machinery division in Europe. And they, they came to us with the question, um, how and what could they do with these new machinery types? And, and what will be the future of that uh, business segment for Caterpillar? And that was actually the first time I, I realized, because we were just talking to the business people, not to the design people, um, the value of our thinking, you know, out of the box, beyond the typical, um, future forward. And that's when I got really the idea that, hey, design is not about aesthetics, obviously, not even about human factors. It's really about proposing a different type of mindset of, of going what, what you'd like, what you want it to be and what it could be in terms of anything that you can think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good segue to, you know, the topic of circular design, which I think is, is basically, you know, I think strategic design in the sense of like, how can we bring in more stakeholders specifically also the environment and really make it um, innovate circular experiences but maybe in your own words you can describe a little bit how you understand what circular design is and maybe you can talk a little bit about why you think it's crucial for both designers and businesses Sebastian that's a great topic it's a great question and I'm trying to be concise and short on it because it, it's quite it's quite large yeah. so first we need to understand that we live on a planet with finite resources right I mean everyone would agree on that but not everyone is aware of it because we live in a in an economy in a world that is by more than 90 percent linear that means we take something from nature we use it once or twice very shortly and then we throw it away to trash right And that is, everyone would agree, is a problem. If you're a scuba diver, for example, you know, your finite resource is your oxygen is in your tank. If that's out, you're dead, right? Or you have to surface. So in this case, that we need to understand. And therefore, in, in, in the concept that we need to expand on these resources, the only way to do that is to circulate them, right? We have to reuse them, reuse them, loop them, loop them. And this is where the circular economy, the concept of the circular economy comes in. And therefore, the concept of circular design, which basically means you design these product services, anything that have the capacity to loop, 
to turn around so that you don't throw it away. Basically, you could say that circular design is about really to eliminate the concept of waste by designing it in a way that um, you know they're, they're, every material can be extended, reused, whatever. You looked at the product life. This is, we all know about in, in product design and in design, that the product life is being extended ideally indefinitely, but at least extended to the maximum that you can by design, not by accident. And the third part is to regenerate, and that's the most difficult part, to regenerate natural resources because we took them away from nature, right? Now this again is the most difficult one. So again, circular design is about designing for circularity, designing products and services with all the different stakeholders, with the entire system that is behind it to make things being able to return, being reused, extended in life, repaired, anything like that, that helps to keep the stuff in flow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks for that overview and, and summary of what, what circular design is. If you think a little bit about like the application for businesses, are there any kind of, um, how is that, you know, overall conversation going for you because you're promoting it and I think you bring it into conversation also with, with businesses. Do you see any kind of trend? This is a, a topic that you see more and more sort of uh, appealing with, with with businesses and where you see more and more interest from businesses or is it still a sort of more difficult and, and, and uh, a conversation that doesn't happen with, with, with every business? What's your overall feeling there when it comes to the importance of circular design within the industry? There's no easy answer in that, Sebastian, because it depends really on industry. But let me put it that way. Um, you know, in, in every business, especially global businesses, they are dependent on finance, right? And in finance terms, the ESG, the environmental, social, and governance metrics are something that um, are absolutely in focus today and are becoming even more so important. So as a bank, as, as a company, you know, you won't get your money if you don't have good scorings in these parts. And that's where the circular economy, circular design aspects come in because you can score higher if you do that because, you know, if you are designing for circularity, you most likely will also design for lower minimal CO2 or other greenhouse gas emissions. So super important on that. And this is where you capture the attention of business people. Now, another fact is, and it's really important, that 80% of all the emissions that a product is going to cause or cost emissions, right, is being determined in the design phase of a product. So it's obviously then, you know, this is right where we, you know, raise our hands and say like, hey, whoa, that's design. Did I hear design? Oh, that's us, right? That's me right there. And this is our damned responsibility. You know, it's not no one else, but we can influence 80% of the emissions because we can tell the client, hey, no, Don't make it, you know, glued together. Make it that it's repairable. You know, make sure that that it, we can we can we can extend it or reuse it in a certain way, and not just make it a one-time use and throwaway device. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that absolutely makes sense. Were there any kind of projects maybe that you can talk about in you know recent time or in the last years where you had the chance to implement some of these ideas, and maybe you can talk a little bit about the process of that. Right. So, um, I mean, we have plenty of projects that have similar connotation to it in terms that you have to look at the design of a product less from an aesthetical point of view, let's put it that way, but again, 
from how it is, for example, assembled, what types of material that you use. So that's very core to, to product-ish design. But here comes the thing. We need to design it for life cycle. It means, hey, can I make a business model behind it that, for example, makes it possible to extend it? Okay, and that has to do with a procedural thing. If you don't make it repairable, then you can't apply a business model that uh, is underlying that you have. You can refurbish it, that you can upgrade it. So modularity, upgradability, you know, all the things you can't do with an iPhone nowadays or any Apple product that you used to. Remember, you know, the old products, you could, you know, exchange the, the, the even even the graphic cards and stuff like that so this is for example basic stuff and that has of course implication on the direct level of the aesthetics and the usability for sure uh, but then comes the service part digital services that are super important that you have to think of so we have for example worked for um the industrial gas giant lindy Okay, so Lindy Proxair, the world's largest gas distributor, industrial gas distributor. So B2B company sounds first of it boring, but the objective was to redesign um, their um, vessels and container valve systems, you know, that they have stored these, these under industrial gases so that they can circulate easier and at the same time add additional business value for the different stakeholders. So meaning for the ones that fill up the gas, but the ones that also use the gas, for example, for welding and, and shipbuildings and all that stuff. And, and this is exactly where, where all these aspects come in. You have to understand more of the entire product and customer usage journey than ever before. So it's not something that we have, haven't heard about when you think about the design of a product. We're quite used to customer journeys, but we have to look at the different stages of a supply chain as well, which is the same mythologies. We just have to web this web um, of information more tightly than ever before because the interdependencies of the different cues in the value chain or in the product journey journey or in the stakeholder journey are this is where the interesting new business connections and therefore design connections are coming in. Mm -hmm. So in general you could say the overall design process is not that fundamentally different in one on one hand mm -hmm. or, or the different the different activities, but you rearrange them differently, right? Because for example, we, we will probably also hopefully talk about, you know, user centricity and stuff like that. And this is where you have to, you know, don't think just about the user. You have to think about other stakeholders of the systems. And that's new to our field because we're so much about, you know, hey, making the product really sexy for the ones that are going to buy it or use it. But it's, there's more to it than just that. Yeah, absolutely. You you have to really zoom out and look at the, the bigger picture and how it's all connected. That takes more time as well, right? If, I mean, if you set up a project like this, if you design a, uh, let's say, user-centered um, uh, project, that takes probably less time than a environmental uh, a project that considers the environmental impact. Because I think you, you just have to consider more aspects in the design absolutely. process. Absolutely. And, and by the way, you also have to do one thing that designers usually don't like too much. You have to start really doing your math because, you know, everything you do has impact on emissions and material flows, you know, that you have to influence. So you need to keep at the very beginning of your project, you need already to start to think about the end of the product lifecycle. And what are you going to do? Because you don't want to have an end eventually. You want to extend it, but eventually we all know things come to end. So what do you have 
um, you know, in, in, in place to, to handle this? Um, how do you deal with your customer engagements at the end of their life cycles? All these topics make it so much more complicated. You need to calculate life cycle assessments, you know, really math, because without that, you're not going to pay into these 80% I was uh, talking before, because you're not going to be able to utilize the 80%. You're only going to utilize maybe 10 or 20%. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Talking about math, maybe for a second, I think like, you know, KPIs and measuring your positive impact, I guess that's kind of difficult. And I'm, I'm wondering, how do you do that when you, when you have these priorities? Like, how do you, you know, how do you measure your positive environment and impact that you're doing to the project or getting closer to the actual uh, math? Any kinds of, any kind of insights uh, on the overall process and maybe also for designers who would like to apply this in their projects? Absolutely. So there is, as I said before, the ESG metrics, for example, um, they have been kind of standardized. I mean, again, kind of standardized. They're not yet like in German, a D norm, something like that, um, or ISO, but um, they're, they're, they're getting slowly but surely. So they, they have some comparison, more or less comparison there, but it's not, nothing is yet set in stone. The same goes for LCAs that really looks at a, at a product's material flow, uh, the emissions uh, related to it, you know, through, through the different stages of, of the product cycle. Now, there comes a point in that is important. We, for example, have adopted a, a, a more simple way of an LCA because there are tons of different variations there, a design LCA. That means that literally when you do a sketch, whether it's on paper or, or on, on your pad, you know, iPad, you can take a sketch and already evaluate roughly at least What is the emissions going to be over the entire product life cycle of the product? Okay. You, of course, make certain presumptions, but this helps you to compare concept A with concept B with concept C. And we have made it so that every designer can use it because our designers need to use it as well. So, right. So this is a good spot so that at least when you go to your clients or to your business manager, you propagate something and can assess and, and discuss already which one Uh, is catering better to sustainability issues. So that's that part. But now comes the circularity aspect. And that's much more difficult because there we haven't globally um, found a standard yet. But what we can say is things like, you know, if you don't make it accessible, if you don't make it repairable, all these things, if you don't do that, if you, if you don't use uh, the minimal amount of different materials so that when it comes to it, every cycling, you know, it's easy to dismantle and stuff like that. These are parts you can measure, you know, you can quantify, but it's, of course, it depends. Do you do a car or do you just do, you know, um, a pot for a plant? These are complete different products, obviously. So it's difficult, uh, more difficult, but you can assess it. Um, and then you can start to, to uh, negotiate what is better for us as, a, as an economy uh, or for the planet. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to collaboration and sort of teams there, do you set up your teams differently for circular design product? And uh, if yes, like how, what, what's the difference and how do you set up your teams to tackle such scopes? Right. So. You, I mean, the first thing is in, in circular design projects need first an opportunity for circularity. And it's almost mm -hmm. like, a, think about a business opportunity. Now, since many, many enterprises have not yet yielded on what are their perfect opportunities for circularity, this is usually where we come in. And this is more a strategic 
I'd say, business design approach that we need to do there. So really assessing material flows, stakeholder connections, and start to look at along the entire um, um, value chain. You know, where do we have an opportunity to really circulate things? So this is the first step. Once we have that, so we, we call it, you know, identify circular opportunities. Once we have that, we go into um, building a circular innovations. And that is much more similar to classical product um, design projects, I would say, right? Except that you need more engineering capacity there, right? Because um, it, it is so systemic um, that, that you really can't just go with the classical, hey, I'm going to vision something out of a design perspective and you engineers in, in a second day, you're going to help me take care of it. You really have to infuse that beforehand because you need material science involved in it, stuff like that. And this is where different teams are structured, I would say, differently than from the past experience where we were able in a very conceptual level to really have, let's say, no engineers involved in it. We didn't need them because we could figure it out ourselves as just a design discipline. Nowadays, we really, really, really need business people in it. We need the engineers in it at the very, very first step. Mm -hmm. So if you want to summarize it, probably a less linear process, right? And a, and a process that incorporates, uh, well, on the one side, on the opportunity side, more stakeholder involvement, right? To actually find the opportunity, additional expertise, Absolutely. and then even on the um, actual innovation, if you have identified it, you need more collaboration with engineering, with, with science, et cetera. So Absolutely. Very interesting. Absolutely. And don't forget that that's also just as a last part, because you put it very well, um, Sebastian, in the end, it's, it's about ecosystems, right? Because the mm, circle yeah. to die, design for circularity means to design for an economy that is circular. Yeah. So you need to talk to, you know, the, the recycler eventually. Even. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a, it's a great opportunity, a great, a great opportunity to, for designers to get involved there and, you know, uh, take on these, these, um, new methods and see how they can be useful to, to tackle these very important issues that we have, um, talking maybe about problems or issues that you, uh, noticed, um, that can happen in such a project, any kind of common hiccups, any kind of common common points where usually it, 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 it could fall apart for maybe from a business model point of view where we, where you, we learn, okay, like we could do it, but you know, they are questioning if the consumer, the consumer request is actually there to that degree, or, you know, is it the cost point, any kind of learning where you usually see, okay, this is often like the most tricky point to, to get over them. Yeah. And th th there are tons of rabbit holes that you can uh, that you can get lost in that there's no question about that and i would say for most it is you you can't stop with uh, the first and and presumably simple solution you really have to look at it and take it to the systems level why because just because of a product that you think you know hey it's repairable you know it doesn't help you because if you don't offer the information to the consumer for example that he can or she can repair it herself himself you know it's it's it has no value because then it's just theory you know also in theory many many things are theoretically technically recyclable but if we don't have um the the, the capacity in, in in the aftermath uh, the, the the system in place we cannot and this is this is where it becomes a little bit difficult because you have to convince business that they really have to go 
all the way, you know, the extra mile to make sure that the business model is in place for it, that the, the infrastructure from, for example, retail is there and that everyone plays with it. And that really makes it so difficult on the one side. But on the other side, it's like with many things that are system things, you know, that, for example, have involved also regulation. Once they're in place, they're really stable. And that's the good part. And, and that's when people start to think, go like, wow, this is really cool. An example is a little bit, think of the iTunes store. You know, at the beginning, it was something very, very, very unique to that part. And then it was a, almost like a general concept for it. Um, and, and the same goes with circular ecosystems. You know, once you put them in place, it's difficult to, to kill them. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Talking maybe a little bit about the you know implementation. We both know Philip Steiner, uh, and I talked to him in uh, one of the uh, past episodes. And one of the topics we also discussed, you know, like if you are a consultant and you work on advanced innovation, if you have like really big scopes you're working on uh, from a consultancy side, um, one of the biggest uh, problems and biggest uh, issues that has to be solved is that you were able to, or like, how do you take that innovation and actually, how do you make sure they get them taken forward? And like, oftentimes as the person contributing here, you may be not full control of that, right? Because it depends a little bit on the other side as well. Like how they set it up, how smart are they in sort of like uh, putting the strings together, bringing in different stakeholders. But of course, there's maybe also certain, there's certain maybe tricks or kind of aspects that maybe you have been learning in regards of that. You know, if, if you talk about like, how can you, how do you ensure that, you know, specifically about circular design, because I guess you really need to, to have a lot of stakeholders. You really need different departments also with the company you work with. How, how do you make sure that you, this get been taken forward? That it actually could move into implementation. How do you make sure that transition point, you know, when you kind of are wrapping up the project is as smooth as possible when it comes to the implementation phase and the rate of success of that is as high as possible. You mentioned it already. The most pivotal point is really to integrate um, as many stakeholders as you can. And this is where, you know, th the good thing is that in the past 20 years, you know, companies have moved to cross silos and cross departmental, uh, departmental collaboration, right? Now we have to take it a step further. And this is, the, the, this is for, for implementations success. At the beginning, you have to already go outside of your company. You really have to start to co-create um, and co-innovate with the other players of the ecosystem, meaning your supply chain, upstream and downstream. Because if you don't do that, it's again with the example of recyclability, almost anything is recyclable. But if you don't talk to the recycler that, uh, and you make sure that that company can recycle your stuff, it's not going to get recycled. And this is, this is what you have to do at the beginning. It's, it's like we did innovation and design thinking, never everything, you know, 10 years ago or so when we started to expand uh, our, our space of, uh, of happening, you know, and um, now we have to expand it beyond the company that we are involved in. And that's at the same time, the success story. If you do that, you know, um, and this is what we, this is, this is really the biggest dawning for us in a, in a very positive matter that we realize that this works. And, and as always, you know, if you involve people, they have fun with it. You know, they love to be part of your innovation journey. So let it happen. Don't, don't be afraid that people will steal ideas from you because again, it, 
circularity won't happen without them. It can only happen with them. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I think another way to kind of look at that is the aspect of, you know, community. I think what you can see also with, you know, a lot of these products that are more in the area of Web3, for example, it's, it's, it's community-based products, right? You almost, you know, you design the products together, right? And um, exactly. if we're thinking about like a circular design process, like you are one part, but there are other parts that need to contribute to us as innovation. And it's more like you're you're almost delivering towards a community than towards a client, maybe in a, in a classical sense. I think the other the others and the, 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 uh, I think the magic happens if you start to have co-authors, right? I mean, in yes. the best case, you start as the author, but then like some other people are gonna have also the pen, and um, uh, you know, it's possible like you even not like recognizable anymore as the the main author because they're being taken forward and that way you get that ownership from other people to take it forward right so beautiful idea lives, lives on without you being maybe so involved that's on the one side sometimes sad but on, this, on the other side it, it makes sure you are the the idea actually the vision gets moved forward so yeah Absolutely. so interesting Absolutely, um, and, and you, you know, Sebastian, it, it's it's beautiful how you how you put that actually, and and I can I can build on to that because it's it's not a race for a winner. It's because there is no winning in that game, right? I mean, we either all win or we all lose because uh, it's 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 a little bit, you know, as a passionate su a scuba diver, it's like when you go to a coral reef, you know, and you look at the ecosystem. And you have all the interplay of the different species. If there is just one species there, you don't have this lush coral reef, right? You, you, you would only have sharks, or I don't know. So this is this is the important part. We all are benef uh, benefiting from each other, and this needs to be the concept. And it's a beautiful concept, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, talking about maybe future thinking as well as sort of the the other aspect i think that where you were involved in um, speculative design uh, to be more specific can you talk a little bit about i think there's a high intersection between also circular design and speculative design i would say because well maybe you know one part of course is you have to speculate sometimes because you're really describing a very big vision that is maybe could be very theoretical unless you make it until you give it a material until you materialize your your ideas in in a form of a speculative design vision or speculative concept, basically, right? Uh, the other side, I think, why you can use speculative design in a context of circular design is potentially that speculative design is a great way to also talk about risks, right? Because you are um, sort of drawing out different potential futures that are sometimes maybe not in the interest of the business, but it allows you to create awareness. Um, but I'm just wondering, maybe beyond that, um, maybe you can... Um, share your point of view overall on the role of speculative design for um, the role of the designer and then also maybe how does it overlap with the topic of circular design from your point of view absolutely i mean the the, the theory behind speculative design or, or behind the practice behind this design practice is that we don't design necessarily for business but for engagement for 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 starting engaging a discussion you know, polarizing whatever you want. And this is this is very important because it's a little bit for me, it goes very quickly into what we see in, in science fiction movies or, or in Hollywood movies uh, after all. Why? Because we see something that we then start to contemplate about, uh, that we can discuss, that we 
can think it's good or bad and stuff like that. But it's not meant to be something that is that 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 is a future that we necessarily want, right? Because that will be a desirable future again. And a desirable future, you know, is maybe something that where we can sell again. So this is, we, we just have to set that part for speculative design. Need that context then. Um, the beauty is to, to provocate in, in matters. And what we, for example, just did uh, end of last year, we had a project initiated by ourselves. We said like, hey, what is, it was a speculative um, design project. We said, what if products, physical products, would have um, a certain life expectancy? Let's say a chair, and after three years, a chair would fall automatically apart. Crazy, right? I mean, you, you would not want to have that. You, and it, it's the opposite, you could almost think, of a circular economy, just to make the, the connection there, right? Because, no, 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 Carl, you just said it needs to be extended, right? Why do you, why do you want to have it ended in three years? Well... The thing is, if we design it in a way, you know, it, it's it, that, that it decays, you know, people will start to think about, yeah, right. I mean, I would never want to have a furniture about that. But think about all the other stuff like food that we waste, you know, 30% of the world food is being wasted every year. Um, that decays literally. And we're not so much concerned about that, right? Are we? And this is this is exactly where where this provocation starts to then think about and initiate a, a discussion and then a conversation about what it means um, to have something for life or to have something that is planned obsolescence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that makes sense. If you think about maybe sort of speculative design as a um, uh, sort of a new area of design, circular design as the the other one, are these sort of like the biggest themes that you're seeing in the in the design industry sort of as like new fields where designers can basically be involved in in, in sort of less traditional discussions and, and even have a bigger impact? Let me put it that way. I think that um, as a design community, we have the responsibility from now on to only do circular design because anything else, you are basically fueling our extinction. This is what I personally think, okay? Quite harsh, I know, but this is, it's just, if you design still for, for consumerism, wow, guy, then you better have your place ready on a Mars uh, uh, rocket, you know, because that's what you need. Now, there's the other thing, that it, because this is wishful thinking, maybe, right? Um, the reality, if you ask for about future thinking and new trends in design, let's not forget computational design. Let's not uh, uh, forget about uh, these aspects that in the future, AI will take over many, many design processes. Okay, we don't need the designers as we have today, as we don't need the printmaker, you know, things like that. We needed maybe 40, 50 years ago. Okay, Photoshop replaced them, Illustrator replaced them. You know, you, many, many people will be able to design their own products, either automatically co-authored, whatever it is. So we should not forget um, that, that this part, is ever more evolving and a role of designer of thinking that they still are doing the creation from from the first sketch to the last one i think that's a thing of the past and 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 maybe that's good so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so i mean yeah i mean that, that's a that's a overarching basically um i think interesting future discussion right like the intersection of ai and design process and you know, how our designers are rather the strategic and, and human side way. It's about like maybe the emotion that you're trying to convince about the strategic direction that you, you're trying to achieve. 
and uh, certain parts of the process where it's more about maybe form ideation and maybe about visual iterations potentially you know there i think where you know I, I could really tap into and i think so you're gonna have that design process which i think from a fully uh, manual craft work right now would basically almost you start to slice out certain parts where you know you somehow can put in ai for that piece now in, you know, I think it's, it's, um, you know, with all of these things, it's a, it's a s so slow process that, you know, it just happens like very slow and, you know, it's, and, and it's not like from one day to the other. Um, but I think, I think there's just going to be a topic that maybe we see in the next years happening in design tools, uh, where, you know, you can have more iteration happening automatically or more, uh, form ideations that would be, for example, a low hanging fruit. Um, and I think that, that, that overall transition, I think it's a more of a long-term view, but I think an overall trend, I think that's going to be interesting to observe. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we, we, we have to, we just have to realize that. And, and the question is again, how does that merge with, uh, for example, circular economy, uh, and circular design topics. And of course I do think there, there are many of, and, and I also think we don't need that many designers in the future if we don't have that many new products coming out every year you know think of the cycles in the car industry that in the former times in the 70s may, uh, might have been 10 years right and now they're like the, the face facelifts are what every two three years you know so these cycles uh, also in the fashion industry they, they they need designers first of all technically you don't need them anymore maybe um, and the second is um, maybe we shouldn't need them anymore for that stuff Mm -hmm. yeah um i mean like i think in also overlap that I'm, I'm i'm seeing what we're discussing uh also the the role of ai here and speculative design and, and also what you're doing in circular design i think sort of the the new aspect here really for designers is data i think right i mean like it's data driven in design it's data or data informed design if you want to say rather informed than driven i would say maybe but uh, at least like for the moment. And yeah, I, I think that, so this is, I think also maybe a challenge that I think designers are facing to get into, you know, discussions about doing uh, or articulate a very good speculative design project or uh, a circular design project is that you have to capture a lot of data, right? Also in your circular design project, you really have to talk to a lot of stakeholders. Can you access this data or not? Oftentimes, sometimes maybe it is not available. Um, I think that's a, that's a, so I think data just becomes more and more important overall for designers. I think, uh, it's already Absol important now, will be even more in the future. Exactly. And this is where also the role, I think if we propagate it in a, in a more constructive, positive way that designers are going to be, you know, managers of these intersections of different types of data coming together to, to form a liaison between planet-centric aspects, human-centric aspects, business viability, and so forth, um, because they still understand, you know, the, the, the origin, for example, of industrial design, which is a machine, human-machine interface, right? I mean, whether it's physically or digitally. So it's really about what is the purpose? And this is why speculative design fits in there, because speculative design is maybe something that might be not as easy for for an AI, um, right? Because of course it depends what type of data you feed the system in machine learning and stuff like that. But they they will go for the correct solution. But speculative design is not going for the correct one. It's going for the provocation. And this is this is this is maybe the last 
resort for creativity for designers. Yeah, it's so interesting. You have to be irrational, right? And yes, I think that's exactly, something exactly. that's a very human, that's a human skill to act irrational. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Emotional. Um, yeah. So, um, Carl, thank you so much for, you know, taking the time here. I think I will continue to love chatting with you. I think we're touching on some very interesting uh, topics, but I think we need to wrap it up uh, because of time. So I would just like to thank you uh, in behalf of the audience really for, for taking the time. Thank you, Sebastian, for having me here on your show. Thank you so much and hope to see you soon live. All right, that was the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure you give it a thumbs up and let me know in the comments about your thoughts and biggest learnings from the episode. I'm always super curious about that. You can also tag me in a post about your biggest takeaway and share your insights with others to pass on your learnings. If the episode provides you a lot of value, make sure to follow, subscribe and share it with friends and colleagues so they also have the chance to learn and grow. Until next time. Cheers.